from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Friends, will you join me in our prayer of confession? Let us pray. O oh God, in Christ you were born a humble child, love made flesh, God with us. Forgive us when we fail to follow in your way of humility, love, and peace. Free us to see your light reflecting in the faces of friends and family, neighbors and strangers, enemies and friends, and make us shine forth with your love. Amen. Christmas marks just the beginning of Jesus' ministry among us. We know what is yet to come, the healing, the teaching, the feeding, the hope, and the reconciliation. Let us come together to declare what we know to be true this day and every day. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven.
reading from the prophet Isaiah. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, for as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. Well, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from the second chapter of Luke's gospel, verses 22 to 40. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus, to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul, too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Holy Lord, may this service and the words shared in these scriptures 
be a light for revelation and a light for glory in all of our lives. Amen. The first thing that this passage reminds me of is baptism. See, we have this family, and in this case, it's Jesus's family. Mary and Joseph are coming to the temple to dedicate the baby Jesus to the Lord. For many of you, it will be easy to imagine what they were thinking and feeling that day. It's not so different from when you had your own child baptized here in this church or in other churches. Here they are with their firstborn child, coming into this place of worship to dedicate him. You know what it felt like to carry your baby through those doors, to gather with this community, to have loads of people coming to ooh and ah over how cute your baby is. And much like what might have happened here in this church family, some dude at the temple takes the baby Jesus in his arms. And now for the families with whom we've had the immense joy of baptizing children and parents alike over the last nine months, this part will probably sound a little different. This whole stranger holding your baby thing just doesn't happen anymore. We're wrapping up a calendar year in which we've spent nine months in a pandemic, and we know not to grab strangers or even our friends' babies. We wear masks, and we stand six feet or more away to talk. So while this story of Jesus's family reminds me so much of the joy of baptism that we get to share as a community of faith, it also reminds me of some of the ways that our communal routines and habits have been disrupted for so long and will continue to be disrupted for at least a while longer. And yet this man who takes the baby Jesus in his arms is able to point at disruption in a way that I find challenging yet hopeful. We read that this man is named Simeon and that he was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel and that the Holy Spirit rested on him. We read that the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. I wonder how long he waited before that day came. Did the Spirit tell him yesterday that he would see the Lord's Messiah? Has he been waiting so long that it went to the back of his mind and he had almost forgotten about it? Whatever the case may be, Simeon, this man of faith, comes to the temple this day under the Spirit's guidance and immediately understands who the Christ child is. Holding the baby Messiah, Simeon declares to God, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. By looking at this baby, Simeon sees God's salvation. He sees that salvation is prepared in the presence of all peoples, not just a few. He sees that this child is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a light for glory to the people Israel. 
all of these things, Simeon sees in the tiny infant Jesus. At my parents' house, we have always enjoyed building Lego sets. And so some years ago, when my mom found these Christmas-themed Lego-esque building sets, she thought it would be great to add those to our Christmas decorations. Now, these sets are basically the same as Legos, except all the pieces are tiny. I mean, the, the one by one square is just about the size of the tip of a Sharpie. And so we have these sets to build every year, and with an instruction manual, with pictures of every step and of the final product, they're doable with only infrequent frustration at the difficulty. Now compare that small project to what Simeon sees in this baby Jesus. He looks at this child, no instruction manual, no picture of the final product, and he sees in this child all of the promises of God to God's people. He sees salvation and revelation and glory. To see all that in the Christ child is remarkable. Simeon's awareness and understanding of what God is doing in the world is astounding. And Simeon shares his understanding with Mary. What Simeon gives to Mary is named a blessing. But it might not sound like a blessing to our ears. And if you're here with us way back on the second Sunday of Advent, you might remember what Tony said about how blessings work in the story of God. In his sermon that morning, Tony said, when God blesses someone, the blessing never, ever ends with them. When God brings a blessing upon someone, it's always passed on to someone else. Blessings from God will not only touch us personally, but they'll flow through us and touch somebody else. They'll bring a gift to somebody else. So taking that understanding of blessing, let's look again at what Simeon gives to Mary. We read, Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. That's the blessing Mary receives the day she brings the Christ child, her child, to the temple for his dedication. This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. I'm pretty confident that none of the pastors of this church have told that to a parent the morning of their child's baptism, that their soul would be pierced by a sword. How could Mary hear that as a blessing? In what ways will this touch Mary and Joseph and then continue to others? How are they supposed to react to this man saying this to them? Today, we have all the luck because we know what comes next. We head into Christmas and these early days of Jesus' life on earth, knowing exactly what will occur in just a short amount of time. We know that Jesus will grow up 
and teach and heal and feed and free many. We know that he will be arrested by the Roman Empire and put to death. And we know that he will rise three days later to ascend and sit with God, serving as our Redeemer and our Advocate. And so, knowing all of this, we can hear Simeon's words to Mary and understand what is to come of this little baby's life. We know in what ways he's going to change the world forever, the ways that he'll change us forever. And while the blessing that Simeon gives might still not sound very much like a blessing we would want to receive, we know that we must receive it. This Messiah was coming to change the world through his teachings and actions, and that wasn't welcome. As Matthew's Gospel tells us of Jesus' early days, King Herod was so scared of this baby that he killed all the little kids around Bethlehem. The coming of the Messiah was, and still is, a threat to unjust rulers and to powers that don't value the least of God's creations. I wonder what inner thoughts of ours need to be revealed because they go against the core mission of Jesus' ministry. I wonder in what ways we've grown overly comfortable with this baby Jesus and the adult Jesus. I think that Simeon's blessing to Mary is passed to us because we should continue to be challenged and opposed by Jesus' life and teachings. Simeon sees clearly that this child is the Messiah and all that that entails. And as the Holy Family is leaving the temple, we meet the first evangelist, Anna the prophet. Anna is a widow who lives at the temple. She fasts and she prays. From what Luke tells us, Anna has next to nothing. But she sees this child, and maybe she overhears what Simeon is saying to Mary. And Anna comes over and begins praising God and telling everybody about this child. She knows who he is and what it means that he has come. Anna knows exactly how big of a deal it is that this baby is for her and for the world. So, of course, she's telling everybody about him. Sadly, that's all we get from Anna in Luke's Gospel. We don't even get a line of dialogue. But how much more do her actions speak? Anna's interaction teaches us what it means to believe in this newborn child. With one look, she begins to praise God and to talk about the child to all who are looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. This Christmas season, I think that Anna's joy and belief has a lot of significance in my day-to-day living. It would be incredible if I was able to look at the miracle of Christmas or to join in worship and experience the pure joy that Anna felt. This season has been so difficult in so many ways. I've certainly been in my own head a lot over the last nine months. While I dearly miss some of the traditions, there have also been instances of joy and merriment. Maybe I need to take a cue from Anna and learn to see and believe and enjoy.
Anna and Simeon both see something incredible in this tiny newborn Christ child. How do they do it? How do they look at this tiny child, this innocent child, and see so much good? How can I train my eyes to see as they see? It seems like it should be easier to see what they see because we know the whole story. We know of Jesus' saving, redeeming life, death, and resurrection. And still, we don't always see what they see. We struggle to see the image of God in others. We choose to ignore the value in other humans' lives. We elect to give ourselves plenty and them little. Even now, in a season of life that has seen so much pain, instability, illness, and death, we hide those inner thoughts that should be revealed because they oppose what Jesus lived for. How can we train our eyes to see the salvation and the light, the revelation and the glory? And then, how can we go from training our eyes to using our bodies and our status to help others see that very same salvation? How can we, who have so much power compared to the elderly widow Anna, praise God and speak to redemption? I think it'll be hard. Salvation and redemption are huge projects and we can only see them to completion with God's help. But we can take that next piece and place it. We can work to help our neighbors know the same saving grace of God that we know. The Christ child has been born. We can go into the world that sometimes looks so dark and we know that in Christ, we have a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. This is prepared for all peoples, not just those at the temple that day, not just those worshiping here today. Christ is a light for all. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, Jesus Christ has been revealed to us, not in the way that he was to Simeon and Anna, but because of faithful generations who have taught us about Jesus and his ministry in each of our lives. And so I would invite you at home to join us with these ancient words from the Apostles' Creed, affirming what it is we believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. 
From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Before I uh, turn to our pastoral prayer, I do have some uh, pastoral joys to share this morning. On December 18th, Emmett Walker Shell was born to Rob and Eva Shell. Grandparents are Gary and Jenny Shell. And on Christmas Eve, Francis Elizabeth Riley was born to Grace and Tim Riley. The grandparents are Eric and Benny uh, Grenade. Let us now turn to God in prayer. Heavenly Creator, as we worship you on this last Sunday of this long year, we give thanks and praise for the enduring presence of your Holy Spirit. We know it is you who sustains us and gives us the strength to continue our journeys of faith, even in the midst of a worsening global health crisis. We thank you, O oh God, for making us and for the many blessings you have poured out upon us. Thank you for your infinite love that you would come among us as one of us, the Christ child, a visible, tangible, fleshly example that you breathe new life into creation. You call us to newness and rebirth. You wash away the sins of the world and call us to be a part of your holy kingdom. Help us, O oh Lord, to use the gifts you have given us wisely, to seize the opportunities we have to witness to the world that Jesus is Lord and that he came into the world to gather the lost. Creator and sustainer God, as we enter into a new phase of our societal battle against the coronavirus, one where some are receiving vaccines while others are called to continue to hunker down and social distance, we pray for the men and women administering doses as well as those receiving them. We pray for safety and for efficacy. We are continually grateful for those persons who have been standing in harm's way throughout this pandemic and are pleased that they are first in line to be inoculated. We pray too for those at highest risk that they remain healthy and safe until it's their turn. And for those of us who must wait longer, months perhaps, grant us patience. We pray, O oh Lord, that as we continue to work and live as we do, that you will guide us to do your will in all things. Especially we pray you to smile upon this congregation of your people and to help us minister to one another, our neighbors, and our world as Christ would have us. May your light shine through your people from this year and into the next to the ends of the earth. Now let us pray as our Lord Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you. 